darling, my love. It's Caitlin Vincent, and welcome to the Good Girlfriend Podcast. Get ready to unleash your inner confidence, demystified periods, and delve into unfiltered sex education. We're here to embrace the power of sexy empowerment, and I've got your back every step of the way. As humans, we're all beautifully flawed, but together we'll support one another and ignite that fire within. This space is all about being real, vulnerable, and unapologetically authentic. Now remember, this podcast is for entertainment purposes, but when it comes to seeking advice, I always encourage you to consult with professionals. You deserve to have all the resources you need to thrive in your own unique way. So, are you ready to embark on this journey of empowerment, education, and downright fun? Buckle up, because we're about to deep dive into a world where confidence reigns supreme and taboos are shattered. Let's do this. Hey, girlfriends. I'm so excited to have you on board, and I know that sometimes we just struggle to say no. And we really got to find within our core and our gut of actually going, what is it that's actually stopping us from saying no to something that's actually really important to us and creating those boundaries? So I'm very lucky to have Cheryl Green with me today, and she's going to really unpack this conversation. So welcome, Cheryl. Thank you for having me. Oh, my absolute pleasure. And I think it's absolute bonus. Do you want to tell everyone where you are coming from? (laughs) I'm in sunny and still quite hot Las Vegas, Nevada. (laughs) Las Vegas. I think there's a lot of our memories there. I went there for my 21st and yeah, made some incredible decisions. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But this town has that effect on people. It really, it really does. But Yeah, so we're going to unpack a little bit about yourself. What I like to do is I want to take you on a little bit of a confession booth. So we might get a little bit cheeky, might get a little bit soulful, but, you know, the best thing about it is that we're just being us. So if you were to escape anywhere, anywhere in the world, where would you like to go? I have always wanted to go to Bali. I want to see a medicine man. Oh, Oh, yeah. It's been a dream of mine to like work with a healer and, you know, get rid of those like emotional and like spiritual blocks that I I know I still have. Mm. And what is it like the, when you say medicine, what type of medicine are you talking about? Um, so their medicine, uh, like the medicine man uses, I know they use herbs and stuff like that, but it's also a lot of energy work. And I think the energy work is more what I need. Yep. Oh, I hear you, girlfriend. (laughs) Definitely, we all need some energy shift within that. So, yeah. What's a a guilty pleasure that you have that you're like, oh. (laughs) Chocolate. Oh, I love it. So much chocolate. Um, My obsession is lint. Um, White chocolate, milk chocolate, dark chocolate. I don't really care. Um, I would mainline it like heroin if I could. (laughs) <laughs> if I thought it would give me like the same effect, but for longer, um, and I'd still taste it, I, I would. Yeah. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> I'm a I'm a savory person, so anything like cheese platter, I'm like gimme gimme. But then there's some moments where, especially when I'm just before my period, I crave sugar so much. And obviously, there's you know the hormones are playing up there, but. What is like the chocolate that is your go-to though? Because I know people say chocolate, but what is like the go-to chocolate? Um, if I'm being healthy, dark chocolate, if I'm just scavenging or scavenging because I like need the emotional like boost, it's just milk chocolate. (laughs) I don't need to, I don't need to get fancy. I don't like anything with like fruit in it or creams or any of that stuff. Like just hardcore straight up chocolate. That's all I need. (laughs) That's all you need. And I think... Let's not make it like healthy or unhealthy. Let's just say it's all those delicious foods and it's just the type that you want. So I love that. There you go. <laughs> it's emotionally uh, healthy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We've got to break those boundaries down. And if you were to go back to your teenage self and, you know, we've learned a lot in our life and you just had that one moment where you could go back and tell her something, what is something that you would tell her? That's a great question. 
Um, it's a date one. Wow. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I mean, obviously like the boundary thing is huge and I wish I had known all of that in my teenage years, but you know, I would tell her that you're actually attractive. Mm. Um, I found out, I used to hang out with my like best friend and she had an older brother in a band and like, so I'd hang out with like all of them and like the bandmates and everything. And I had the lowest self-esteem on the planet. And a few years after high school, I ended up actually going out on a date with one of the guys that was in the band. And I, he told me, he's like, we all thought you were so hot, but the, the brother said that he'd kill us if we tried to date you. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, do you have any idea what that would have done for my self-esteem? Like that could have changed the course of my life, but whatever, I'm here for a reason and I'm in a good place. So um, yeah, you're actually attractive um, and <laughs> your metabolism will eventually go to shit. <laughs> yes. Oh God. I look back on those teenager photos and I'm like, damn, Kaylin, like uh-huh. you should have been so proud of what that body was doing at the time. Like and what you were oh, doing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. My arms, like people would compliment my upper arms. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't happen now, but that's okay. It's okay. I've got wisdom. Still attractive and we'll keep that vibe going. Um, <laughs> one of the things I do like to always present in this confession booth is what is something that you are grateful for? Another deep question. I'm, yeah, yeah, you got deep questions here, man. I didn't think about these ahead of time. You know, that's, um, <laughs> what am I grateful for? I am, I'm grateful for all the pain I've been through in my life. Oh, I love that. It, it's really allowed me to become who I am and it's allowed me to help others. I love that. That's so beautiful. And that being said, it could stop now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, can sign signals? Tune in. We would like this to stop. Like, stop hurting us, please. Smooth <laughs> sailing from here would be perfect. But uh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, no, you definitely want to. We want to turn it down a little bit because we still want to grow and learn. But we just like, yeah, not the not the big hits. My keep. I, I swear to God, the shit stick this year for me has been huge. And I'm like, okay, I thought the other years were like, you know, okay, we've gone through it, we've repelled, we've healed. Mm-hmm. Anna, it's it's amping up. I'm like, okay, that's that's beautiful. <laughs> it's like here is some more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. So, Cheryl, obviously one of the best things that you have provided for this world is the mental health um, advocate that you are and also a speaker and an author and I think it's so beautiful on what you do for people but I'd love for you to to unpack a little bit more about you and really what got you into this the place that you are right now helping so many amazing people yeah so um 40 40 plus years of not knowing who I was not having the self-esteem and the belief system to uh, know that I was worthwhile and that I could say no. Um, just like you said, you know, in the beginning. Um, I, so uh, this actually, I'm not going to say it started about two years ago, but I would say that kind of the kickoff, the, the, the straw for that poor camel was about two years ago. And um, I was working full-time at an animal rescue, something I'd been volunteering with for 10 years at that point, Um, working full-time and uh, running my own business at the same time and just running myself ragged. Mm -hmm. My my days were like 16 hours and um, I couldn't say no to anything. You know, and on top of the the paid responsibilities, you know, I was still volunteering at different organizations. I was still holding leadership positions uh, within, you know, organizations I was a part of. And I, I just, it got to this like state of overwhelm where I was resentful of absolutely everything in my life, including the people that I loved very, very much. And I'm not going to say I was resentful of the animals because I don't think I ever got there, but I was resentful of the people 
putting responsibilities on me regarding animals. So we'll put it that way. Um, and I just, you know, I started crying all the time, which for me, that's not a huge jump because I am very sensitive. I do cry a lot, but this was like 24 seven. Like I couldn't get a sentence out without losing it. Like I just, it was not a lot of, a lot of fun to be around. I, I was, I was losing it. I was just losing it. And one day I was just running an errand for the rescue. It was like, you know, it was starting to get dark out and I'm driving down the street and I saw the oncoming headlights and I had this like split second thought of like, if I just cross over that median, like this could all just be over. And that scared the crap out of me, obviously. Um, it jolted me out of it. I, I pulled off the road and I, you know, tried to gather myself and made this decision, even though I didn't know what it meant, uh, but I made the decision in the moment that something had to give, like something in my life had to change. Um, and I ended up taking a, a sabbatical, if you will. I took off um, four weeks and it was just like, okay, I need to figure out my life. And fast forward, I I did make some major changes, no longer with the rescue, it changed up how I was running my business. But a couple of months later, maybe eight months, nine months later, I had a friend reach out to me and she was like, oh, um, she's like, I'm the president of this organization this year and I want you to be the president next year. And there was like, you know, the devil on one shoulder, the angel on the other. And it was like, okay, well... I've gotten where I am and everything I've achieved because of networking and because of serving. Like I love to serve. I love all of this. So that's, that's really good. On the other hand, I don't have time for this. Mm. Um, I was planning a wedding at that point and my parents were getting older and needing more response, you know, more of my time. And I was like, Oh, I don't have time for this, but I didn't give her an answer. And she kept coming back, you know, week after week. And she's like, Cheryl, I really, really need to know. I really want you to do this. Like, this would be so awesome for you. Um, and it took about two months for me to finally give her the yes. And the second it came out of my mouth, I was like, what the hell did I do? And I knew instantly it was it was wrong. Um, did some soul searching. I won't give details. Like, it, that was a long process, but... I was sitting on an airplane one day and my Kindle died. And I was like, oh, dear God, I'm stuck with my own thoughts. I know I have to think now. <laughs> but I, I had this realization that I had taken on more than I could handle again. And I was like, okay, why did I do this? How do I get out of this? And what do I do moving forward? And I made the decision in the moment that I was, I was going to tell her, you know, I, this is not the time for me to serve my problem is boundaries. Like I realized like in that moment, like, okay, I have no boundaries and this is something like that ends now. And then I was like, Hey, while I'm learning this, I might as well write a book so that everybody else can get some help too. And in that, it was like a three hour flight. I outlined 60% of my book. Wow. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, it was a busy flight. <laughs> Well, that flights are good for that reason. <laughs> but I love that there's a real key message in that. And you talked about how you realize that so many times, and I know that a lot of women do this, they give so much because we come from such a kind, caring nature and we want to serve and do so much for people. Yeah. And it it drains our energy. It drains who we are and we lose so much of ourselves. And I think, unfortunately, some women haven't had that awakening. And that's why we never wish these things upon people. But when bad things happen, it is a shock to your system, but it is the repair that you need, the realisation that something better is coming to you because what you're doing and the consistent pattern that you're making is not helping you out. So you need the wake up because otherwise you're going to get even worse and you're going to get extreme burnout. So what was it that, you know, during that process that you, were you blaming yourself or were you blaming what was happening around you? Like what was going through your mind when you were going through that procedure of realizing going, oh shit, like this is not 
this is too much. This is too much for me to handle. So it, it was a shift. It was a shift for sure because we, I, I'm not going to say we all, but many of us start out in victim mode. Mm. Anything in our life, you know, and it's like, oh my goodness, how could this be happening to me? How, why are, why is everyone taking advantage of me? Like we get into this, you know, like wow, wow, like states and it's to be expected and we're all there and we've all been there. But it wasn't until I, I had this realization and made this shift from this is something that's happening to me to this is something I'm allowing mm. to happen. And it was like this wake-up call. And I, I read a self-help book years ago when I was going through my divorce. And I don't remember which one it was. Sorry, whoever wrote this. <laughs> but um, they said something to the effect of when, what was it? When you're a victim, things can happen to you again. Mm-hmm. But when you take responsibility for where you are in your life, you, you give yourself the power to change it. Absolutely. And you need to remember that in every single situation because, of course, I've gone through victimhood many times in my life. But there was really just this realization, like, I'm allowing people to do this. I am, by not saying no, by not saying I don't want to do this, by not saying, like, this just, I cannot physically handle another thing right now. By not doing that, like I'm allowing people to basically like push their will on me Mm. and, you know, push off like their responsibilities and their priorities onto me. And that was like that shift was the moment that I was like, okay, this has sucked severely, but now I have the ability to change it. No, I love that. And even... You pinpointed a great thing because some people were afraid to say just the word no. And you said even like, I don't want to do this. And just yeah. having other ways of saying it as well, that feels good to you. Because sometimes when it comes to speaking up, we want to innately find words that gradually get us to the point. Because I know that sometimes no is quite triggering because even as a kid, you could have said no. And then your parents just like kind of overrided it and they just chose what you had to do. And then you got this wound of going, oh, so every time I say no, like I'm in trouble or if I go against my parents or, you know, you just had that sort of innate childhood wound. And then as an adult, you feel like every time that you say no, you're going to get rejected or, you know, you're going to cross pathways and it's like not going to people please. But if we find other words to shape how no could be presented, it then helps warm you up and realizing that every time you keep doing it, that it just gets easier and easier. Have you found that like, the language has also been another process in this? Yeah, I think being prepared ahead of time, because look, these like boundary tests, we'll call them boundary tests, they're going to keep coming. Mm. It's not like you just build up this wonderful force field, which some people do, but it is not wonderful. Um, But it's not like you build up this like protective force field and like only the good comes. And you never get asked to do anything. You know, people are like, oh, she's really busy. I'm not going to bother her. That's not going to happen. So being prepared ahead of time and knowing like, what am I going to say in a similar situation? Um, And the words may not be exact. But what I've found really powerful for people and for myself is the pause. And it's, You don't have to sit there and stare at someone, not that kind of pause, but it's buying yourself time. So like if you were to ask me to, I don't know, do your grocery shopping for you, which would be very difficult since we are on different continents. (laughs) However, um, just as an example, if you were to ask me that, my years of conditioning, my, my initial response is to spit out yes. Yeah, uh absolutely. I'll help you. Yeah, for sure. What preparation does and what the power of the pause does is it gives you the ability to say, you know what? I actually have to check my calendar. Thank you so much for asking me. Uh, I will get back to you uh, tomorrow evening, whatever it is. 
you're buying yourself time. You're stopping that like automatic. Yes. I call it. Yes. Vomit. Some people don't like that. Whatever. Um, but you're stopping that yes vomit and you're giving yourself time to consult with someone else, to check your calendar, to check your finances, to check your body and get back to that person at some point. So it's not a no right away because you might actually, I might want to do your grocery shopping. I do not, but I might actually want to do <laughs> that. <laughs> Good, like a, a very particular shopping list there, but... <laughs> But, you know, really like what this is, and I really stress this with the book, like being able to say no is not like this huge, like middle finger to the world. It's not this like, I am never going to help anyone else. Screw you. Like, it's not that. It's just giving yourself time to check in and to see if you really want to do something or if you're just kind of feeling compelled to do it out of guilt or, or whatever. Um, so yeah, preparing ahead of time to know what you'll say and giving yourself time. I, I really love that because I know even for myself that I'm quite responsive because as a kid I used to just get super angry so I'd be like, Bleh. Um And it's not even just about yes or no. It's, it's actually giving you so, like that time to process what is happening so that you can make sure that every word that comes out for you is of best interest to yourself because when we are reactive, it's not the best decision that comes out. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when we're coming from an emotional lens and it can be in particular for women when they say that, you know, as you mentioned way earlier about the whole being too emotional part of things, it's obviously something that I really want to create an awareness that people can be emotional but we just have to, as you said so well, it's just give that time, process it. And even when anxiety comes up, just time, process it before you make that bigger decision. So just giving like a little a little soft blow of a no, just like I'll get back to you. Mm-hmm. Or I'm, I'm interested that you've come from that point of view, but let me just think about it and I'll come back to you. Um, and even like in the world of emails or text messages, like we do not have to respond straight away. Yes, I'm a corporate. I, I, I do it myself. I'm not saying I'm perfect here. But <laughs> there are moments <laughs> where you have to sort of breathe, remind yourself, do I want to show up at being kind, considerate and respectful of myself first before others? Or am I just going to know that if I react out of whatever despite conversation I think I'm going to have, and knowing that it's not going to come back good. It's not going to come back in the way that you want it. As much as it's yeah. so nice to let things off, then we need other ways to release it. Go for a walk and vent to yourself and just do that talk therapy going like, blah, and like let it all out. Don't try and use it against you because that's when we catch ourselves out. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Give give yourself that grace to, to think. Mm, absolutely. And I know that one of the biggest, the biggest issues today is relationships and communications. And I know that some people are trying their best to work on it, but a lot of people are just sort of giving up. And I know that you've had a journey when it comes to your relationships and I would love to sort of unpack, you know, (laughs) what... What juicy conversation comes out of this? Because I'm very fascinated. (laughs) How long do we have? Um, Just whatever you feel, obviously, whatever you feel that is important for women to know that, you know, when we are speaking up, the power of what it can do to us in, in different circumstances, because I know that for women there are a lot of males that are manipulating the beautiful gifts that we have, which is that we love love and connection and we love attention. And I really want to find a way from a message from your stories of what is so important for women to understand in that part of it. So, okay. Um, so I'm going to, we're going to go back in time. Um, I, I don't think up until we'll say 30s, I don't think I ever dated anybody that I wanted to date. Mm-hmm. I had this thing, again, super low self-esteem. 
I had this thing where if someone asked me out, whether I liked them or not, I needed to go out with them. Mm. And that that led to several rather unpleasant dates that thankfully went nowhere. <laughs> um, it led to a, God, what was that? 10 or 11 month relationship in college with a guy who was a cutter um, and who would bang his head up against a wall when he didn't get what he wanted. Other bad things came out of that, but not going to mention those. Um, but my, I started getting heart palpitations when I was with him and it, I, I went through all the heart tests, all the cardio tests, wore a, a monitor for a week, all the things. And they're like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with your heart. I was like, okay, keep in mind, this is college. So I'm like 20, like 19, 20 at the time. And this is scary. Um, but like, I would just be sitting there like doing absolutely nothing. And my heart would come pounding out of my chest. And I didn't know what anxiety attacks were at the time. So I thought I was having a heart attack. Ended up going to a therapist on campus. She was just a student. And she listened to me for like 10 minutes and went, yeah, you're like not happy in your relationship and you probably need to get out. And I was like, ah. So I ended that, ended that one. But I didn't learn my lesson. And my, my now ex-husband... Once again, we started hanging out as friends and I said to him, I am not interested in you to date. Like, I don't have those feelings for you. Like, do not fall in love with me, blah, blah, blah. As you know, from the fact that I called him my now ex-husband, um, that did not go well, but he had everything wrong with him. Like there were warning signs and red flags and like the red flags were screaming. I mean, there was everything like, he had drug problems. He had financial problems. He had, he was, he was like the biggest victim on the planet, but I kept going along mm. and I just kept doing it and ignoring all of those red flags. And that ended up in a fiery ball of him getting arrested for soliciting a minor online. So yeah. Um, so that like, I guess my message in all of this and Wow, I totally went off course. I'm so sorry. Oh, no, I love it. I love like, tangents. So they're great. Um, <laughs> but I ignored those warning signs. I ignored myself and my own, um, my own taste, my own preferences, my own feelings, and said, it doesn't matter. Like, it just doesn't matter. Other people like me, so I need to step up. And... I'm grateful for what happened that ended that marriage because I don't think I ever would have if it weren't for it. Like if he had just cheated on me with an adult, if he had just continued being the hot mess he was, emphasis on mess, not on hot, um, I don't think I ever <laughs> would have gone hot. anywhere. <laughs> I, I paused and I don't I don't want the emphasis. Pause, it's a great. Um <laughs> But like, I don't think I ever would have left because I, I I didn't have that like giant universal kick in the ass yet that, that you were talking about earlier. Like it just wasn't bad enough. It wasn't uncomfortable enough. And I just had to keep, had to keep going. But thankfully, you, you kind of can't come back from that. So yeah, did that answer your question? It's beautiful because what you've done is you showcase something that was really important that women need to understand in particular because we have a beautiful gift of connecting to our intuition and that means that you actually have to be accountable in connecting to yourself on a deeper level because I say this lightly but we're a bit airy-fairy when we don't actually do it. So as... And I'm saying this in a nice way from your story because you've learned from it. But in those moments in that relationship, you had the signs and so many women hope that it changes. Yeah. And and this is just, and I'm and I'm not saying that I'm perfect. I've 100% gone through that as well. So I'm saying this more so for me, that it's beautiful that you brought it out in your story because so many women are like, I'll, I'll make him change. I'll 
of I'm sure we'll grow from this. I'm sure he'll grow out of this. I'm sure that something will be is because we're hanging on the fact that someone has connected with us. And that's a real issue for our primal drivers, but it also can be the best thing when you find a healthy relationship and something that will actually complement that. But unfortunately, so many women are stuck in the hope and the desire and there are signs. Now, they don't have to be the big hit ones like the universal shaking ones, yeah. shop to the system, as I've mentioned earlier. They, there needs to be that little inkling and you've got to go with your gut. But you can still find a way to communicate your concern and start with that and say, I'm concerned about whether it was the drugs or whether it's the conversation that you're having with them or I'm concerned and see if they then work on it from that. If they, if you've raised it with men, because they love to be logical, you raised it with them and then they're taking actions to work on it because it's a concern for you. Yeah. Yeah. Then that's when you see that something is changing and something is working towards a healthier decision. <laughs> but unfortunately, if we don't communicate that, then we're, all we're just thinking is we hope, but then they have no idea <laughs> what you're hoping. They can't read your mind. So you need to actually to do that. And that's why I do love that you shared that, that story because so many people just don't, they don't listen to themselves. They don't, they don't take that, that little bit of selfish moment and going, hang on a second, this doesn't feel right. Oh my god! I love that you've just bought your beautiful Sorry. dog. He's, he's like his paws are up on me, so he wants oh. to say hi. So this is Bodie. Um, hi, Bodie. <laughs> so I my nice black shirt done. No, I um, I love that. I wish I could bring my Labradors in, but um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, this is the podcast where you bring your dog to the podcast, and <laughs> it's. He's he's always attached to me. He's like full Velcro dog. So very rare is it that a Zoom meeting goes by without the dog making it <laughs> making it no, go. I love it, but that's feeling your love and connection as well. So and dogs are you know you don't have to worry about communication with them. You can just be you, and they accept you. So it's a bonus. <laughs> yes, giving them lots of treats helps. Oh, lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. But obviously, boundaries are one of the key components that we we keep reiterating and we keep sort of talking about. Let's just go from, we know that we've talked about the importance of it and how it can really enhance you and help you actually surround yourself with people that bring you up rather than surrounding yourself with people that bring you down. Yeah. What is something or a real important step because I know that people need like an awareness or they need something that's going to smack them out of that rose-coloured glasses appeal. What is something that you could suggest or recommend for people to look into these these boundaries and actually realise what is something that they need to work on? Yeah, so the very first thing I would say is um, this all starts with a belief. Mm. There's this really like hackneyed phrase of like, no is a complete sentence. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like that is a totally real statement. However, for most people with boundary problems, we don't know that no is an option. Mm. We don't know that we're allowed to say no, that we have the right to say no. And until you explore those beliefs, those like negative, like horrible thoughts that have been in your head for 30, 40, 50 years, whatever it is, like you can't say no. Like you think can't physically do it. Look, a lot of us were not brought up with the concept of boundaries. That wasn't, I, I we never discussed that in my house. It was no, not sorry. like, like it wasn't a word that came up. And, you know, it took years of, like, researching and realizing what was going on around me and, and seeing other people establish boundaries that I was like, I don't even understand what you just did, but it was rude. Um, like, it took all of that to realize, like, okay, I missed out on something growing up and I'm not blaming my parents here because so did they. 
um, and you can't teach something that you don't know. But starting out with realizing like, okay, what has been told to me? Like, did I grow up in a household that my opinion didn't matter? That I wasn't even allowed to express it? And, you know, did I grow up in a household where I wasn't allowed to say no? Like you said earlier, you know, I, I use the example like when, when you see a family member that you haven't seen for a while and you're a little kid, what's the first thing they do? Give me a hug. Give me a kiss. Okay, well, sometimes they, they stink. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they leave lipstick on your face and you don't like that. Like, sometimes you just get this gross feeling. And a little kid can't explain that. But they can go, eh, you know, they can say, no, I, I don't want to or, or hide behind their parent. And the parent has this very, very powerful moment in front of them. Because they can say, hey, you know what? It's okay. If you don't want to kiss Aunt Mary or whatever, I don't have an Aunt Mary. <laughs> um, if you don't want to kiss Aunt Mary, like, that's fine. Or which most people do, most parents do, like, oh, go ahead, give her a kiss. You haven't seen her in a while. She's family, you know, and they they push you. And that's that very first lesson of like, I could say no, but it doesn't matter. Like my opinion doesn't matter. My comfort level doesn't matter. And it sticks with you, whether you recognize it or not, whether you remember that experience, you know, 35 years later, whatever it is, like, that you learned something, you have an ingrained belief now, and you have to tackle it. So the first step, yeah, there's a lot more work to this, but I'll say um, you have the right to have opinions and to have boundaries. You have the right to say no. And I am officially, with whatever power I have, giving you permission. I That was so beautiful because oh, that was... I just loved how you talked about as a kid, our beliefs are changed and shifted because of what they believe. And we can't ever go back to that moment, but you can just have a moment to realize going, that was what my parents wanted me to believe. Do I want to follow that suit or do I actually want to change the way that my belief system is. And it's not until you you have that, that mirror and you reflect upon it and going, okay, even in relationships, how your parents are acting, do you believe that that's the way that you see love? That's Is that the way that you want it in your life? Some people, yes, some people, no. Some people have, you know, the sort of friendships. Like I know as a kid I was forced in a certain friendship group because of my parents and they got along and I had the conversation with my parents and I said, I'm at an, a point now where I stayed friends with them because you guys were. They don't align with me anymore. They're not my people. I would actually like to not come to much of the events anymore. And that was a tough conversation that I had to have with them because they still catch up with them and there's moments where we still bump into each other. But I just had to realise that for me, there was just, if I can remove that that level of energy that I'm putting out to people that aren't serving me, then I am making more room for those people that are going to serve me. And it's just as a, a, a flick of a switch in a moment that you just have to reflect on those beliefs. And especially when we are forced, like that kiss, I just remembered as a kid, I used to always have to go around and kiss everyone. And I'm like, oh God. And like my love language is more quality time. So the fact that I was there was enough, but the fact that I was forced around to touching everyone and I'm like, oh, but then if I'm in a romantic setting, like touch away and go to town. Yeah. But, <laughs> but with, you know, that, that setting is just so fascinating how those triggers have come up. But as soon as we realize that they are the belief systems that were presented to us, that then changes the way that we shift our boundaries. So I really love that way that you unpack that. It's just, yeah, it's it's beautiful. But I think that it's, it's not only important that we look at the beliefs and the languages that we do when it comes to boundaries. I think we also have to back ourselves because so many of the time we say or do, 
but we don't actually believe that we deserve this as well. Have you found that it's it's another part of the element of having confidence within yourself and doing that work for boundaries? Yeah, I I think everything in life and yeah, grand sweeping statement starts with boundary, uh, excuse me, with beliefs. Mm. Everything. And look, I'm I'm still battling my own. Like I am I I would not begin to su- suggest that I have like fixed all of my beliefs and and <laughs> and just you know, whack them out of the the grounds, but understanding where things come from is really important because we have an, in the book, I described it as, you know, those like creepy music boxes that like, you know, you like lift the ballerina and it's like making noise. It it randomly goes off. Yeah. The the childhood memories are coming back now. I'm like, Oh God. (laughs) We can unpack that after if you like, no problem. Um, but it's like this, it just it creepy like goes off when you're not expecting it. And then like you pack it away. You don't want to get rid of it because that's for your childhood and somebody gave it to you that maybe you care about. But you like throw it in a box and you throw it in the attic. And then you're like laying in bed one, one night and like you hear this fucking music because it just randomly went off in the attic. And that's what our beliefs are. And sometimes we know that there's a creepy ballerina box up there. And sometimes we don't. And we just like hear it playing. So yeah, like find your creepy ballerina boxes. Mm. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yes. Unpack them. Like yeah. And just just face them. Like, I don't know what it was, but there was this TV show. Um, I think it was a British TV show called The Young Ones. I don't know if you've heard of them, but they were sort of like, it's like a comedic show and I don't know what it was, but there is, um, it's pretty much just like a slapstick show, but our family were over and for some reason it just, it triggered me because I felt like I was sitting there watching something I didn't want to. And then I remember just like walking away and then just hearing this like laughter in the background. That's why you said like, like creepy music. I'm like, for me, it was like this random laughter which is weird because like I love humor and everything yeah and then when I went into year 12 I was doing drama and we had to study the young ones as like part of our thing and I just remember sitting there going oh god I actually can't get out of this so I had to face it and then I realized I was like this is actually pretty funny what was I actually like triggered from so it clearly was it's amazing sometimes we had this illusion that the object or whatever it is is so frightening and then until we face it again if it, if I face it again it was still triggering I'm like okay clearly something needs to be happening here but in that moment it was a lot more deeper subconsciously that I didn't realize which I've done healing work on not for just that example but it was just something that sometimes we get so caught up in you know the objective the object thing that we we struggle to to do it. and in that moment I did have a, a boundary going do I need to pretend to go to the toilet? Do I like need to leave class so I'm not actually facing this? But then I said to myself, no, Caitlin, let's just even know. Let's just face this first and see if you can overcome it and then set yourself that boundary that it's okay to face this as well. So no doesn't have to always be like a pushing something away. It can also be a no to face something to then create more space and connection with yourself as well. So I love that you brought up the (laughs) the childhood things as well. And weirdly that just triggered me um, to thinking about that memory as well. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I love because when you have that connection with yourself, you have those moments of realizing you become aware and you're like, oh, okay. And then you've got that deeper connection with yourself. And that's why I love that this whole boundaries and saying no creates a more deeper relationship with yourself which I'm sure you have found as well with yourself it's well and I I think you know people think of boundaries as our relationship to others and it is um definitely don't want to take away from that because that's that's a big part of it but another aspect is your, your relationship to yourself and you know going back to my chocolate conversation you know a chocolate mentioned earlier you know, being healthy, surrounding ourselves with people that that do build us up, like that is a boundary with ourselves. Mm. Um, 
exercising boundary with ourselves. I'm not doing great with that one right now. I'll be perfectly honest. Um, it's but, that's always her. Like, <laughs> you got these girlfriends. Um, so one of the definitions of boundaries is how you allow other people to treat you. But it's also how you allow yourself to treat yourself. That could be put better, but you get what I'm saying. No, I got Um, Like, wh- how do we, how do we relate to ourselves? And realizing that if you don't set boundaries with yourself, ooh, nobody else is going to follow them either. Yep. You got to pick up your own slack. Oh. Yeah. I think it's so beautiful. And I just know that there's so much, so much juiciness from what you've been able to unpack as well. But if I was to have the, I like to sort of finish with like saving a soul or someone that's tuned into this podcast episode. If you had the ideal person in front of you that has been really struggling with saying no, their, their boundaries are just out the window, what advice would you give to them? This is a journey and this is a process and this isn't a you suddenly, like I said earlier, you, you suddenly throw up your your protection and your nobody ever nobody ever attacks. That's that's a really like negative way to put it. But every experience, every time that your boundaries are crossed, it's a learning experience. And you can you can throw in the towel. You can you know something bad can go can happen, or you can allow something bad to happen. Let's change the, the words there, and you can throw in the towel and you can say, "Ah, I guess I'm no good at boundaries. I never get to have them. I'm just a horrible person." Blah blah blah. You can do that, or you can go, "Oh, didn't like how that felt. Like what happened here? What could I have done differently? Like why did I do this? And what's what am I going to do differently in the future?" Um, and I will be perfectly honest here. I've got a, a a blog that I've already written and it's scheduled to come out. Um, I I had a boundary slip last week. I was standing in line at the pharmacy and I, I'm giving my information to get my flu shot. And there was a woman standing behind me so close that she could have literally crawled up my ass. <laughs> she was an older woman. And she just, I like, I turned around and it was like, oh, you know, it was one of those. And I would love to tell you right now that I turned around and said, excuse me, ma'am, would you mind, you know, backing off a little bit? You're, you're very close and I'm uncomfortable. I would love to tell you that that is what I said <laughs> after almost two years of working on myself and a year of writing this book and speaking and teaching and all of these things. I'd love to tell you that that is what I said. But no, I just went and got out of there as quickly as possible. And I, I came home and I unpacked it. And I was like, what the hell just happened? And I was like, I, I was picturing in my head all of the different things that could happen. Because that's, that's I played chess in my head 24-7 with other people's reactions. And I was like, oh my God, she could be like really nasty and really mad at me. And I'm going to end up getting into like a screaming match in the middle of a supermarket with a senior. (laughs) And oh my God, she's going to think I'm rude. And like all these things are running through my head. And I'm like, okay, I learned my lesson or I learned another lesson. Like, I'm not going to throw in the towel. I'm not going to like get on the next podcast and be like, I don't know shit about boundaries. Like, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say, you know, I, I had a slip and moving forward, I'm going to learn from that and I'm, I'm going to do something differently next time. Maybe, you know, Mac or something. No, don't, don't do that. But, um, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it might be good. But like, that's, that's what I would say is like, don't, don't beat yourself up over all of the times that you've allowed your boundaries to, to be squished or to be crossed, learn from it, um, empower yourself to, and again, you have permission, um, like learn from it and empower yourself to do better next time and to protect you and to put your, I, I say, make your priorities a priority. Um, 
And um, am, am I allowed to give a website for them to? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'll plug away. Okay. So um, at you had me at no.com, um, you can get, I created a free cheat sheet on how to say no. So that like we were talking about earlier, like people can download this, slap it on their wall and know how to say no right off the bat, how to take a minute to yourselves, how to say yes, but maybe not that way. Maybe maybe not the the exact way you're asking, but yes, I can help you. And it's just like a, a starting point for people to understand how to communicate better and how to have that confidence to to say no or to say yes if that's what you want to say. So that's, you had to me at no.com. Beautiful. And where can people find you on social media as well? So either Cheryl Green Speaks. Um, I'm on Instagram under that. I'm on LinkedIn under Cheryl Green. And I think, and Facebook, I have, you had me at no book. Beautiful. I'll make sure I put it in the show notes as well so people can just get that straight click away. But I do love the fact that, you know, with that advice that you gave someone, we are always going to be presented with something new. And that's where we learn from it as well. So the the vulnerability of you just saying that makes me have so much more pride in, you know, proud moment for yourself because I think so many people just don't filter that, that that is actually a beautiful part of our journey as well, is actually being vulnerable and going, yeah, I effed up here and yeah, I didn't yeah. do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oopsie. But then we learn from it and that's where we get better at it. So yeah. honestly, Cheryl, I really appreciate just everything that you've unpacked with this and it's so beautifully done with and people please go get the book because it is so important that you tap into these boundaries and, and don't, yeah, don't, I love the presentation of the book is already happening. <laughs> Just shouting it away. Um, but yes, don't say no to this, go get a book. It is something that I re- really recommend. And yeah, thank you so much for your time and jumping on board this podcast. Thank you. <laughs> My pleasure. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in and we will see you on the next podcast. Ciao for now. Thank you for joining me on this empowering journey. Your time is precious and I'm grateful you've chosen to spend it here with me. Remember, you deserve to be heard, seen, valued and supported every step of the way. To ensure you never miss an episode filled with inspiration and growth, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and don't forget to check out our show notes. They're the ultimate resource hub for any links or resources mentioned during our conversation. Until our paths cross again, keep embracing your inner confidence, unleashing your power and living your best life. You are capable of incredible things, my love. Until next time, take care, stay empowered and remember, you go, girlfriend. Woo!